You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. What is one word that you would use to describe the past three months? Awful. Okay. Chaos. Surreal. Isolating. Tragic. Maddening. Unprecedented. Slow. Okay. What I'm not hearing are words like calm, peaceful, content. You know, it's it's interesting as I think about that. You know, how, how, for, for me the word that keeps surfacing is is uncertain. The one phrase I've used more than any other phrase the past few months is I don't know. I don't know. You know, what when are we going to do this? I don't know. When when can we do that? I don't know. You know, and just, you know, even, even at on a personal level, well, do you want to go do something? I don't know. <laughs> you know, just, it's just, I just, because I, I, and I, it's not like I'm, some, unfortunately, over the years, I use that as, a, I don't, I don't really, I'm not interested in talking about it. I would use that as an, ex, but I actually literally don't know um, anymore what's going on. And so that's why I'm, as, as, have you ever tried to lead a group of people through a, situation where there's just so much uncertainty unknown. And that's why I'm just really grateful and appreciative to all of you for the grace that I've received over the past few months. Um, just, and I know for, I know I speak on behalf of Pastor Farrell and Pastor Stan at the other campuses as well, is it's just, there's, you know, you try to navigate it, you try to say, we're going to take a step and we'll see what that feels like. And then we'll take the next step and we'll keep moving. And so that's what we're doing. And so we're here today and, you know, it's talking to, you know, with, with Cornelius, they've got the benches. They can't move. So they actually have blocked off rows to keep the distances. East Lincoln, they have a building similar to ours. It's a little bigger, not much. Um, but they've got three different services. But they, people literally had to register and sign up as to which service they could attend so they knew how to plan. Um, and I said, yeah, I don't want to do that either. So I said, what are we going to do? So I thought, let's, let's just put all the chairs on the side and people can sit where they're comfortable. They can figure that out, and you're here. So that you're sitting down, and I didn't see any fight, so it seemed to have worked out okay. Um, you know, so, but, but even that we're feeling our way through, we'll continue to do that. Now, you, we may not do this next week as, as I talk to some people and kind of get feedback. They say, well, you know, what this felt like, what you think. You know, it probably won't be long. If things continue down this path, we'll be back in our normal setup, but... But it, it's a process. And we realize for some of you, it's like, why did we ever stop meeting? We should never have stopped. Others of you are, you're surprised you're here um, because of how you felt last night, you know. Um, so we realize it's just, it's one of those processes that's just uncertain. It's, un, it's dis, uh, disheveled. That's not the right word. But it, it's, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just all those words you use to discuss. So we'll continue to figure it out. But we are going to move forward. Um, we are going to take steps, and that's why the idea of, of having uh, the class, recognizing when they were making these plans, we weren't even allowed to meet then. So now that we actually possibly could meet, well, we're going to keep it with Zoom just because of other things that's already gone into it. So again, it's, it's not this straight path. There'll be some ups and downs, and, and there'll be times like, oh, that didn't work at all. <laughs> All right, let's recircle back. So, so thank you for your grace and for your patience um, as we navigate all of this. 
Um, today, just for a few minutes, and again, we, we, we're, we've shortened everything um, except worship. Actually, we did shorten that a bit because we took one song out. So recognizing because for the first two weeks, again, as we're going forward, we've got the kids in with us. So for their sake, as well as uh, yours, um, we're, we're navigating this a little differently. But um, we are in a sermon series where we're talking about essentials. What's essential in life? And that was the word we heard quite frequently when things were shut down, that only essential workers were, were able to work. So it, it created an interesting dichotomy within our culture as to who was essential and who wasn't. Um, and so far, we've talked about uh, two different things. And, um, you know, in this season of life, how are we supposed to navigate things? What's essential? What should be essential for us? And uh, two, week ago, two weeks ago, we talked about the Holy Spirit. Um, last week, we talked about the Word of God. And today, we're going to talk about this idea of community as being uh, uh, an essential thing. That should be a, an essential part of our lives. Now, you've heard me say on numerous occasions that faith is very personal. It really is. It's internal. It's about you. It's about your relationship with God. But faith was never meant to be individualistic. Yes, your decision to follow Jesus and your relationship with him is very personal, but the Christian faith, the Christian life was always intended to be lived with other Christians, to be in fellowship. That faith and community go hand in hand. You can't really, let me say it this way, you shouldn't have one without the other. In thinking about what is essential in this season of life, we've really taken our cues from the early church in Acts. Now, it's, if when, you, when you've, you've read Acts and you're familiar with just the time, immediately after Jesus returned, that was a very unstable time, very uncertain. A lot of things that they just didn't know. Um, politically, they were powerless. Remember, Israel at that time was under Roman rule, so they had no political power influence. Safety, their own personal safety was in question. They had just killed Jesus. They've been following Jesus for three years. They were known to be followers of Jesus. What did this look like? And just before Jesus returned, he says, hey, listen, it's going to get rough for you guys. Some of you are going to die. It's, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get worse. And in fact, just a few chapters after what we were looking at today, Stephen is the first martyr of the Christian faith. And so we know that just the whole, the atmosphere was dangerous. And there were people asking, is this the end times? What does this mean in the grand scheme of things? And people really weren't sure what was happening. And, and while 3,000 had just joined the ranks as Christ followers, they were still a very insignificant minority within the people of Israel as a whole. So it was a very unsettling time for the, for the, for the apostles and the followers of Jesus. But as you watch what they did, some things that began to emerge that I think are very helpful for us. And this idea of, listen, we need to be in the Word. We need to be hearing from God. And not so much of what we're seeing on TV or what we're seeing on our news feeds or what does God say? And as we talked about last week, it's not so much that it, our circumstances change, but we're able to navigate those circumstances on a different level emotionally. And spiritually, we can, yes, it can be chaotic and uncertain, but you know, we can have peace. Why? Because God has given that to us. And that can happen because we read his word and we're, we're grounded in his word. Um, but the other part of that that we discovered that as we're reading through it, what we see in, the, in Acts, in, Acts, in verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and, to, and the fellowship. So it wasn't just say to fellowship, but to the fellowship, to that was a specific group, and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now this word fellowship is actually, the, the, there's, it's a Greek word that's used there. It's called koinonia. Have you ever heard that word before? If you've been in church life any length of time, you've probably heard that word. Um, but koinonia 
It means, it's, it's where we get the word fellowship. The first time that word is ever used in the Bible is right here in Acts, um, verse 42 in, in, in chapter 2. Um, but it's not just hanging out. It's not like, hey, we're having dinner over at our house. Why don't you ever guys come over and, and let's, you know, let's, let's just, it's not just being friendly. This idea of koinonia refers to a deep community among believers where individuals share life together. The good, the bad, the ugly. It's about sharing life together. It's about knowing each other and being known by other people. It's not about losing your sense of self. It's not about becoming this mindless follower. It's about finding greater purpose and fulfillment as we care for and serve other people. It's that relational dynamic. And in Acts, we see that the early believers, that they shared meals together, they worshiped together, and they cared for the needs of one another. So they literally, the idea of sharing life was something that was very important to them. In authentic fellowship, people give and receive love that brings value to life. This idea of knowing that people care about you and that you can care about others, and it really creates this, this sense of, of to love and be loved. People give and receive encouragement and support to overcome life's challenge. Some of you have gone through some very challenging times the last three months, but hopefully you've received encouragement and support and people where they have texted or called or sent you a card or a note to say, hey, we're with you. We, we, we support you. We're praying for you. We love you. And you're not alone. And sometimes that can be incredibly powerful and, and, and empowering. People care for one another by meeting basic needs. Um, we share meals together. We help each other out with, with certain things. Um, we, we give out chicken um, to our friends and neighbors. <laughs> we are known as the chicken church. Um, 1,200 pounds, this group here, 1,200 pounds of chicken was, we gave away to friends and neighbors. I just think that's the coolest, the coolest thing. Um, that happens in fellowship. Uh, that's what we see in authentic fellowship. People live in unity and partnership as a witness to the world. What Jesus said, what will make the difference, what will communicate to other people, isn't just you know, how you communicate with us, it's how you communicate amongst yourselves. That's what matters, and that's what will speak loudly to other people. So all of the above, all these different things, this idea of love and encouragement and needs being met and, and witness to the world, these are all present in koinonia where we find true meaning and significance in life. Now, I would hope that all of you get to experience koinonia here at Grace Covenant. I do. I hope that, that you find that type of, an, of a relational dynamic here and you can have it here. The challenge is that true fellowship, true koinonia doesn't just happen. Just showing up just isn't sufficient. This doesn't do it. Koinonia requires a few things. Uh, before I get into that, let me, let me just say this. Um, again, let me, the, the time for the, in Acts, in, in this part for the church, was very uncertain. Was, was a very, there's a lot of people. But let me also say that the church was born in diversity. In Acts chapter 2, where the Pentecost falls and it lists all the different, there's 15 different racial people groups there at Pentecost. 15 of them that are mentioned by name, which suggests there may be even more. That from a smaller group. So 15, so the church was birthed with this idea of diversity in mind. That happened during the time, um, you know, the great festival that was happening in Jerusalem. So there was just thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people there in Jerusalem who had assembled for this great feast and, and for the great celebration. And in the midst of all that, the church was born and birthed. 
So the, the church was born with racial diversity. Do you realize that the very first church conflict was racial? Again, in Acts chapter um, 6, we have the Hellenist widows and the Hebrew widows. And want, some were being fed and given food to, to help, and others were being missed. That's a racial divide. Um, that was happening there. And then in Acts chapter 15, further on, the very first annual church business meeting ever held was to discuss a racial issue. The Gentiles are coming to faith. Are we going to require them to be circumcised, the males to be circumcised, to be, to be identified as Christ followers? Again, the distinction there was racial. It was the, the Hebrew versus the non-Hebrew, the Gentiles. In both cases, and we see this throughout the, the New Testament, Peter and the apostles, they listened and they talked and they came up with a solution that allowed for the freedom of people while at the same time kept Christ at the center. Their identity was in Christ. It wasn't in behavior, it wasn't in performance, it wasn't in, it wasn't in race, it wasn't in anything else except Christ. Christ was at the center. Now, I've heard it said that there's two things we should never talk about are politics and religion uh, because they cause disagreement. And I think many of us have been experienced that type of thing. And I think we can add a third topic to that today, and that's race. Um, Sometimes we're afraid to talk about certain things, and I think that's wrong. I think that we should talk about it. In fact, I think because they're contentious, we should talk about them more. Not to have arguments, but it just says that there's things that we don't understand and don't know. I think that, that, that I think these are the, this idea of race and religion and politics should be talked about. I think we have such a volatile climate today because we don't talk about them enough. And all this pent-up emotion and energy because people feel like their voices aren't being heard and listened to and things have come to the situation we find ourselves today. Now, that being said, this right now isn't the time or place to have an extended conversation. That being said, though, given our cultural climate, I do think it's important for me to just say a few things just related to this issue, specifically to talking about race and specifically how it relates to this idea of community as we share life with one another. Let me, uh, let me begin by stating the obvious. Racism is evil and it has no place in the kingdom of God amongst his family. No place whatsoever. And it should have, they should, but not only is it, should we be non-racist? We should be actively anti-racism. That's number one, okay? And unfortunately, that's the easy part. We can, all, we can all pretty much, I would be shocked if there's anyone in here that would disagree with what I just said about that. We run into trouble, though, for all right, what happens next. Um, and where, where we tend to disagree is about the de- definitions and extent of what racism might look like. We get bogged down in the terminology, our behaviors, and things that are incidental to this issue, but keep us from actually having the conversation that we need to have. So is an action a racist incident or evidence of widespread racism? What do we mean when, you, when we use the word systemic? We can even find disagreement about whether or not a specific action is deemed to be racist or non-racist. Which leads me to my second thought about this. Our disagreements tend to be a function of our ethnicity, our personal experiences, or the culture in which we raised. So you, because of your culture, because of your ethnicity, because of your experience, you view things through a certain lens. 
other people from different cultures, backgrounds, ethnicities will look at it from a different lens. For me, it's the story of, you know, you, t- you heard the story about, the, I forget how many guys were standing around an elephant, they're all blind, and, but they're all touching a different part of the elephant. And sorry, what does an elephant look like? Well, the elephant, you know, is, is kind of flat and wide because he's playing with the ear. Well, says, well, no, an elephant is long and narrow, and, you know, he's holding the tail. And, well, no, it's like a big tree trunk because he's got his arm. They're all accurate. They're all right. But they're all, they're all incomplete because they don't have the other perspective. So they don't really truly know what it looks like because they're only looking at part of it. They're only experiencing part of it. So what may seem to be one way for one person may feel entirely different for another person. And it goes both ways across racial lines. And it even includes gender and age issues as well. What made it feels like to me as a 50-some-year-old white male looks very different for my wife or from someone else here who is younger or of a different race or different gender. And we all look at things differently. So my third thought is this. Racism is not the issue. Racism is a byproduct. The root issue is one of sin and depravity of the human soul. That's at the core of what we're talking about. The idea of racism is a byproduct of that. So what do we do about that? What, when we talk about this as well as within the context of community, what does that mean? And what does it take to actually have true koinonia and have community? Um, <clears throat> there's uh, three things. One, I think, is awareness. Now, I think it needs, requires that we have, in order to have awareness, we have to take time to think about other people. To just not assume that my way is the only way, or they, we actually have to stop, stop and pause and think, hmm, is there another way for me to be looking at this? What's the, what, is there other information there I don't have? There's a saying that I've, I've used frequently over the years to help me through, think through certain things. We often condemn those things we don't understand. I don't understand it. Uh, we, that's just our natural, that's a human, human reaction. If we don't understand it, our natural inclination is to condemn it. Hang on, River, I'm almost done, girl. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so she's fine, by the way. Don't, I'm, I know, so, so just hang on. I'll, I'm hurrying. So awareness. Awareness is one. One thing that we have to, it's like, mommy, make him stop. Hurry up. <laughs> So awareness is what? We've got to be aware. We've got to take time to consider others and think. And, and, and who else should be part of this conversation? Who else should be at the table? The second thing is humility. Assume there's information and perspectives that you don't have. Just assume that. And so, all right, if that's true, what else should I know? What else do I need to know? Another, uh, and I think, I don't know if it was, um, I didn't coin this phrase, um, Probably, uh, I forgot the guy's name. Um, first, seek to understand, or seek first to understand, then be understood. Stephen Covey, the guy with this. So, seek first to understand, then be understood. We like to, uh, I, I, we, we, where we see this not happening is on Facebook. <laughs> you know? 
And, and I, I've, I've been guilty. I've, I've done it too. It's like, no, you're wrong. And, you know, and you do it graciously, of course, but no, you're still wrong. Um, <laughs> as, as a, and Jody and I actually were, she, is a, she and I had this email conversation going on um, for the past three months. Um, literally, we could probably put it in a book. We could publish it. Um, and she's actually talked me off a ledge a couple times about, no, 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 just let it go. Just, just, just take it as a perspective, and it doesn't... This, this, part of this is the teacher in me that wants to correct and make sure that there's... It's like, no, just let it go. And acknowledge the fact that that's an interesting perspective, even if you disagree with it. Okay, you know... <laughs> Seek first to understand, then be understood. Ask questions. Even if you don't necessarily agree with it, understand. And the best way I know that you can do that is to actually feedback them. So are you saying this? Is this what you're trying to say? And if you can verbalize back to them and they say, yeah, that's what I'm saying, then, then you pretty much got it. You know? And so then you can say, all right, well, hey, help me understand. How do you, what do you think about this? And so you're actually, instead of just saying, here's what I think or here's where you're wrong, Ask them how they would integrate your thinking into their thought process as well. How would you, they think that? But, this, but that takes a posture of humility. Lastly, it requires a commitment. True koinonia requires a commitment. Koinonia does not happen overnight, and we have to be willing to give it time. Um, you know, this is what's been interesting to me is watch the engagement level within some of our groups over the past three months. Obviously, physically, we can't do it. Um, for some of us, we despise Zoom. <laughs> I'm married to one. Um, you know, and so, but the idea of how do we stay connected, and I know some of you there every Sunday at their after-service gathering where they're part of the Zoom just to stay connected and to share. And there was one Sunday morning on our Facebook watch party, we had over 30 of our families watching the service together and engaging. That is amazing um, that we're able to do that. So we've seen some things, even in this season of uncertainty and certainly difference and change, that for me just, I, I came away from this, and actually we met Thursday, just kind of, what have we learned through this season? What are we learning? And for me, it was just this sense of, I just have this whole new appreciation for the depth of community that I feel within our group. And I, we don't always get it right, and there's things that we miss, but Man, oh man, there's some of the things we've seen and, and we've been a part of, and, and, and I just think it's just the coolest thing. And I'm just so incredibly grateful that I get to be a part of that as, as your pastor. The Christian life is more than a commitment to Christ. It includes a commitment to other Christ followers. This idea of community, this idea of following Jesus is best lived out in relationship with other people. So whether or not we've, you know, this is a life group uh, that meets um, in homes, whether or not it's one of our studies that meets, uh, I know our, we have the men's online study that uh, meets Wednesday mornings. So I actually like the fact that it's Zoom because I get 20 minutes extra sleep. Um, I don't have to drive up here to, to be part of it. So, but those are all ways for us to stay connected. Uh, the irony of having this talk at this season is that most of our groups are kind of shutting down for the summer. Uh, but it's where we landed in the, in the, just in our planning schedule. So, but uh, this idea of community, I think, it needs to be one of these markers for our church and our and our body. That when we talk about Grace Covenant Statesville, what are, what's one of the words that comes to mind? 
if they just really get this idea of community, if they just really get that. I just think that would, that's one of, I, I just, for me, I think that just should be one of our markers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the chance that we can gather today, and uh, Lord, that uh, we've, we've been able to talk about um, this idea of community. Um, but Lord, uh, and I've also, Lord, tried to integrate this idea of, of one of the, uh, probably one of the more powerful things happening in our country right now, Lord God, is the idea of racism. And uh, Lord, we're in a season of so much turmoil, and uh, some of it is... Um, some of it may be good. Some of it is evil at its core. And uh, Lord, we're not sure how to think about a lot of things still. But Lord, one of the things we can be sure of is and confident of and, and is you. Lord, of your love for us, of your care for us, and your desire to be in a relationship with us. So Father, my prayer is that you would continue to help us in this area of community. Lord, I'm very grateful for the community that does exist. But Lord, may be aware of and conscious of those who might be on the periphery, who, who even though community might exist, they might not be experiencing it to the level they could. So Lord, help us to be um, welcoming and inviting of others and to be even aware of them, Lord God, I pray. And Father, I, uh, I also ask on the other side of that, if we're on the periphery, maybe not feeling it, that maybe there's another step that you'd give us courage to make. Uh, Father, that we would engage uh, and find community to the degree that we can. And Lord, with our friends and neighbors as well, Lord, we want to be lights. We want to be representatives of Jesus Christ in the most powerful way we can. So God there, give us wisdom, give us insight, give us discernment, Lord God, for all these things. Uh, for Lord, again, it's for your purposes, it's for your name, for your glory that we live, that we exist. So Lord, may our, uh, our lives honor you in all that we say and all that we do. So, Lord God, we commit ourselves to you and to your purposes uh, the rest of this day and the week ahead. And, God, I just ask for, again, your blessing in all these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.